0: My name is Jeremy Quintanilla. You were listening to Age of Jeremy. I'm an entrepreneur and I'm the co-founder of Age of Radio and 3T Fitness and well other businesses that I'm working on. This podcast is about everything that I learn and the trials and tribulations it took to learn them. I hope you enjoy.
1: I the please. They don't wipe you before you write me. My boxes of checks, not my Nike's. Yeah. Cactus, not no ice tea. Got them bamboozled like a spike leaf. You need more than Google just to find me. I just come right to get a hype.
0: Feed. Welcome to the show. You're listening to Travis Scott featuring Young Thug and MIA. And you might be asking yourself, why am I playing Travis Scott featuring Young Thug in M.I.A.? And by the way, that's a song called Franchise. You can check it out on YouTube. It's got 46 million views as of two months ago. Yeah, that's right. I said it, 46 million views. But you might be asking yourself, why am I playing Travis Scott? And do you even know who Travis Scott is? Well, Travis Scott's a musician. And he's also famous for knocking up, I believe it's Kylie Jenner. No, it is Kylie Jenner. She He uh, knocked up Kylie Jenner and they have a baby together. I don't know what the baby's name is. But the reason why I'm bringing him up is because I wanted to talk a little bit about the Forbes 30 Under 30. So Forbes puts out a 30 under 30, I think it's Fortune that puts out the 40 under 40, and I have a Forbes 30 under 30 in my hand, and I, it's interesting to me because this is the second time Travis Scott has made the Forbes 30 under 30 list, and that's because he is estimated to bring in, I think it is around a hundred million dollars in brand deals this year alone. And that's not including the money from his music sales. So that is just in brand deals. And that's amazing because this is a perfect example of brand partnership and brand reengineering and redesign. So if we look at this, so Travis Scott, uh, again, famous rapper slash musician, very talented man, and even more talented for the way he is doing his brand deals. So I think the most notable one or the one that I think has been the most interesting that he's done is his brand deal with Epic. And so... Epic is, I believe, the company, well, it is the company that owns uh, Fortnite, and he did the very first Fortnite concert. He made $3 million from that brand deal. So that, to me, having a virtual concert where you're this humongous star inside of a video game and you're doing a virtual concert as a virtual being. So I'm not hundred percent sure if like they like had him record or if he did it live as like a, like with a green screen behind him and with sensors on him and he moved around. I'm assuming that that might've been how they did it. I'm sure if you YouTube it, you could find it. Maybe I should have YouTube it and I could have done a lot better job explaining this. But um, I think that's interesting because that's just a fantastic innovative way to, to do a concert. So I that that's awesome. And Fortnite is becoming one of the most popular games of all time if it is not already the most popular game of all time. The other interesting one that Travis Scott did was he made McDonald's cool for a quarter or so. Um, not like a quarter like the cent, but like a quarter like the part of a year. And the reason why and how he came about doing that was because he created his own and so it, this this is the way the McDonald's one went. They came to him and said, How can you you help? Us. And the idea that he pitched to them was that well, when I was growing up, I used to get like a, a burger, um, a type of burger. I forgot if it was fries and then like a drink or something along those lines, whatever the meal was that he got when he was growing up. And they were like, oh, yeah, that's cool. So they made that a combo special that has to do with Travis Scott. And he has this this line of shoes called Cactus Jack. And so he like created all of this stuff for McDonald's that had to do with this Cactus Jack brand and this other you know, uh, pseudonym that he goes by because his name's actually Jack, if I'm not mistaken. And so, and so I just think that that's cool. And him being on the cover of Forbes 30 under 30 is 29. So next year he will be 30. And so to make it twice in his, you know, 10 years, that's phenomenal. And to be on the cover, I don't know if he was on the cover on the other one, but I know that he made the cover of the Forbes that came out this month. So you should definitely, definitely go check it out because I mean, being able to like kind of remit, like you can take a star and you can kind of integrate them, your branding and then to give them the freedom and the creativity to come up with the things that they want to come up with. I mean, that's a great marketing ploy, Like that's great for marketing right there. And, and for him to do that, I also think it's interesting because he also, his shoes are part of Nike. So like Kanye's shoes are part of Adidas. And so he has this cactus Jack line that's part of Nike. And as of right now, again, 29 years old. And some of his shoes are selling for like 10 grand on auction sites. And so that's just phenomenal. So if you don't know who Travis Scott is and and the reason why I bring this up and and I know that this is like a finance show, but one of the, the best things to, to stay relevant in your business and stay relevant in, in, in what you're trying to accomplish is by knowing what's going on in the world and staying relevant with who's hot and who's not. And so that's kind of important. You need to know who some of these people are, um, because it helps you it helps you stay up to date with current trends and and I guess fashion and what's popular, and you can utilize that stuff in your own social media and in your own brand development. And you might even come up with great ideas. Uh, the other thing that's interesting about Travis Scott is he has a baby with Kylie Jenner. And in the article, I don't know who wrote this article. Um, but it is Abram Brown and there's a spot where Abram Brown, he's a Forbes writer. He did this, this article on Travis Scott and the Forbes 30 under 30. And there's a part where he refers to it and Scout's star wattage increased exponentially with his move under the Kylie Kim and Kanye big top. And I think that's really funny because you could. Call that the KKK, and I I don't know if that was if that was appropriate, but I think that's kind of funny that they're referred to as Kylie, Kim, and Kanye, which is probably a better a much better acronym that we should have Kylie, Kim, and Kanye than the KKK, especially because the brand development that they do is phenomenal. And on top of that, I think once this deal is done with Kylie's cosmetic line, it's gonna put her at like hundred and two billion dollars. So like her valuation of her company is already that high. I, that's she's gonna get $102 billion for 51% stake in her company. That is ridiculous. All so again, she did have a leg up, I'm assuming, because she's the daughter of Jenner and, um, and uh, Chris Kardashian or Chris Jenner, and so, like, with that, that's great. But she started out doing cosmetic videos that got even pop- more popular. Then they had the Kardashian show, and then they started getting into that. And then she started her cosmetic line, and then her cosmetic line just freaking blew up. Which her cosmetic line, the branding on it is just phenomenal. So, I think that you can eat if you hate the Kardashians or not, you can still take a you can still look at them and and kind of um do research on them and get an idea about how brand development and selling yourself as a brand works especially for in and- Especially for you entrepreneurs out there that are just creators, right? Because as you become a more popular creator, your brand becomes more valuable, and then you're able to license that that value out to others to utilize it, um, and then you get more money, and then you can start other businesses and things like that. So I think that this is a great takeaway from Travis Scott, and congratulations to him being on the cover of Forbes. So um, go check out his uh, his videos. Um, one of his other more popular songs, "The Sicko Mode," came out a couple. A couple of years ago um, off of Astro World, so uh, go check that out. The other thing that I wanted to bring up, we're gonna just kick it over to some more music here, just because I'm a huge BTS fan. And if you don't know who BTS is, then you obviously don't have a young girl living in your house, um, even though I have a young girl living in my house currently, and she does not like BTS in the slightest bit. Um, but BTS is a Korean pop band that is taking over the world, but more importantly, what What's more fascinating about BTS is their the the company that owns them, uh, Big Hit Entertainment, went public this uh, past I think couple months ago, and uh, so Big Hit Entertainment it's the creative agency behind BTS, the global K-pop boy band sensation. It went public in October, making its founder Bong Shi Hyuk south korea's newest billionaire but what's even more exciting about that is the fact that each of the members of bts got 10 million dollars or 10 million dollars 10 million dollars worth of the shares of the in the ipo so i mean as that brand grows they're <laughs> become wealthy with it you know because a lot of his success and wealth has to do with the success and hard work that the members of bts put in and the other albums that the solo artists of members of bts put out so Whether or not you like pop music or not, a lot of people make fun of pop music. I'm a huge fan of pop music, mainly because A, it's fun to listen to. B, if you are in the music industry and you have the ability to not exploit boy bands like NSYNC were and Backstreet Boys were, but if you have the ability to create a boy band or a girl band, I mean, you can make kids dreams come true don't screw them over um and and also make a lot of money in a part of it also especially with the way that we can get those bands out in front of people now is just amazing so you know congratulations to him becoming you know one of the richest people in um south korea so and then the other thing that i wanted to bring up that and again this is all coming from this month's forbes magazine but the other thing that i wanted to bring up was Trump. So Trump as of December 14th is, uh, Well, as of January 20th or 21st or whatever, he's not going to be president any longer. Um, But the Electoral College voted on the 14th, and Trump's leaving the office. So he's going to become a regular old billionaire. But what's interesting about this regular old billionaire is the fact that he has a billion dollars in debts coming due. So he has $3.7 billion in assets. He owes a billion dollars in debts that are coming through between now and 2025. So he's either going to need to refinance those debts, and most of them he's just been paying principal on, or what he's going to have to do, is is going to have to liquidate some of his assets to pay off of those debts. Which brings me to a really important point about debt financing that a lot of entrepreneurs and small businesses don't understand. And the reason that is, is because they're used to consumer debt, and consumer debt works a lot differently than business debt. So, to the point of Trump, who gives a shit if he can pay off his bills or not, I don't really go, I don't really care. Good for him. He can you know, either he'll screw over the companies that he owns the debts to. He'll probably liquidate his assets or more than likely they'll refinance him, hopefully at larger interest rates because they know that he's i don't know a shitty businessman. And so the point is is that is that when you're doing debts, for a business, it's a lot different than consumer debts. So with consumer debts, we have re- revolving lines of credit where we have a credit card that just revolves and then we also have term loans. Okay, So in the business world, you have those types of loans, but traditionally when you have business loans that are over a certain dollar amount, they're not term loans. So they, they term over 12 months, but you're not paying principal towards those term loans like you are with a traditional business term loan or what we think of term loans. So like take your house mortgage. It's 30 years. You usually 15 years, maybe. And you have a payment that you make every single month. And then every single month you make that payment. Some of that goes towards the principal and some of that goes towards the interest. And then after the 30 years, it's amortized, which means it's paid off within those 30 years because you're paying a set payment. And then over those years, you pay more towards the principal as the value, as the, the amount that you owe on that loan goes down. So business debts are a little bit different. So you usually have a year term on them, okay, where you only pay the principal. And then after that year's over, you pay the entire amount back or you refinance it again. And the reason why a lot of business companies do that is because it gives the the lender an opportunity to relook at all of the finances, okay, and they can see if you're worth them doing that debt again. And if you are worth them doing that debt again, then they re... They. They they redo the loan and then you start another year where you're just paying principal and so forth, and I'm sorry, paying interest. So you don't pay interest on any of that debt. And if I said that about Trump, I apologize. He's just paying interest on those loans. And then when it comes due, you pay off the it balloon, it kind of balloons out and you pay the whole thing off. Right. And so, or what some of the businesses do, they take, put them into credit management. If you can't pay it off or they can't refinance it, and then it turns out over a period of time. But traditionally, the idea is that you just pay the principal, right? And then you have the money to pay off the loan after that period of time, but it gave you that extra cash so you didn't have to use any type of cash reserves or liquidate any of your assets. So it's just something to think about uh, you as an entrepreneur or business owner that there are different kinds of, that the some of the debt works a little bit different when you get when you get into you know larger loans usually over um I want to say over $100,000 or over $250,000 depending on the institution and so so with that, with Trump, if we go back to Trump, he's only been paying interest on these loans, and then he has a billion dollars that's going to be coming due over the next five years. So he either needs to liquidate that, they're going to put it into credit management, or he's going to refinance it. So just some food for thought. So um, that's everything that I have that I wanted to talk to you today about, at least with the news goes. There's some other stuff that's going on, like the Pfizer thing, you know, Pfizer, um, a German, Germ, the Germany... German company, uh, Bio and Tech, I think it's called. They created the, the vaccine for COVID and Pfizer is commercializing it and they're going to be rolling it out. So hopefully we can get this pandemic underway. Um, I'm an advocate for wearing masks. I'm an advocate for wearing masks even during the flu season so we can stop the spread of disease. But uh, other than that, in, in the finance, world. the uh, I think that the the branding piece of it and what's going on with Trump and a little bit about debt was probably the most interesting things that I've read since the last episode. And so I just kind of wanted to touch base, uh, touch base on those things. And we'll go to a break right now. And we'll be right back. All right. So the podcast that I'm going to play a clip from that I think that you should listen to, especially if you're a business owner, it's called I Make a Living. It's by Fresh Books. And if you don't know what Fresh Books is, <laughs> FreshBooks is a, uh, like a competitor to QuickBooks. They do a bookkeeping, uh, it's a bookkeeping company and no, we're not sponsored by them. In fact, I would love to be sponsored by Intuit and QuickBooks. Um, but I'm not going to tell you not to use FreshBooks <laughs> obviously. Um, but they have a, uh, I had a client that I was helping do bookkeeping with and they wanted me to use FreshBooks because that's what they did all of their bookkeeping with. And so that's when I kind of, you know, reached out to them and listened to them a little bit and kind of figured out what was going on, um, with Fresh books and learned a little bit about it. But they have a great piece of content marketing called um, I Make a Living. And there's this episode with a gentleman named Danny Kerr in it. And that episode is called Scaling Up a Business with Danny Kerr. And so... I think that you should check it out, and I think that you should listen to this podcast, um, especially if you're a business person, an entrepreneur, or anything along those lines, or if you're a tradesman. Um, so essentially, Danny Kerr, he started with this uh, this painting business. Um, so he was a former, uh, what was called Lost University child. He got started as a college pro franchisee, where he learned the basics of small business ownership, um, and then worked for the company directly, and it did painting. And he eventually oversaw a corporate uh, uh, team members of 400 painters while he was still in his 20s. And he currently has a company called Breakthrough Academy where he teaches tradespeople to scale up their business. They offer lessons on financial management, setting goals, recruiting, and managing staff. All of the beautiful administrative work you don't see during a construction project. And so th- this clip that I'm going to play is really important um, because it it it's the number one thing the number one thing, in my opinion, and the number one thing in Danny's opinion, that stops small businesses having the ability to um, scale. So, here's
1: that clip. Other, you'll never kind of split up because you, you get it. You're on the same page. Nothing can rip you apart. And uh, it's like that with them, and probably will be for the rest of our lives. So,
0: it's like a work marriage. <laughs>
1: <laughs> totally. Yeah. Well, tell me.
0: In your experience with Breakthrough Academy, your goal is to help entrepreneurs, to help people in the trades, to make their businesses more successful. What would you say the biggest mistakes are that people come to you making that you're able to help them transform?
1: So it's interesting. There's there's a pattern that almost, not everybody, but almost everybody we work with has, which is... I became successful in the trades because I had a background in doing it. So I started a business and I'm really good. So people wanted more of my work and then I started to hire people and now I'm in this new thing where I got to run a business, not just be a tradesperson anymore. And I'm trying to figure that out. And a lot of the people we meet and they start to feel this, like the skill that it took to get this off the ground is not the same skill it takes to take it to this next stage in business. And I'm kind of figuring it out as we go and it sucks. And mostly they've got these habits of, and what I had too, these habits of just get in there and do it yourself, work extremely hard, it'll work out eventually, they get burned out. And I always call it like there's an evolution that people have to go from being kind of like a grassroots-level entrepreneur to more an enterprise-level entrepreneur. And that evolution is often not natural for their brain because what made them successful in the beginning doesn't necessarily work as well to make them successful to that next stage. And they've, you almost got to like relearn But in the midst of also having this crazy fast-paced business on your hands, which is very challenging. So one of the things I see with most people is just helping them, A, find time, space to start to relearn. And then B, putting those things into practice in reality versus just talking about it. Because the actual implementation of something, it's a lot more complicated or it's just a lot more involving than people maybe give themselves time for. So and you're helping people also to become more profitable. Mm-hmm. I think that's important. I would say like as an
0: entrepreneur myself, and as well, Danny's like, absolutely right on this. That's the number one thing that causes people not to be able to scale their businesses because they want to do everything themselves. They think that they're going to be able to do it the best. They think that they're going to be able to do it right. They don't want to teach it to people. And so I think that that's one of the biggest takeaways from this specific podcast um, is that if you're a small business owner, you can do everything yourself. You're going to need to have people help you with a lot of stuff. And that's okay. You have to let go of some of that need to have control. You know, and I find, I'm not going to lie, I find myself doing it. I find myself sometimes doing it with Joey. I find myself sometimes doing it with Ruthie, with Priscilla, with Danielle, um, with John. Like there's lots, uh, with Kevin, there's lots of things that you you need to take time to teach other people how to do the things that you shouldn't be doing in the business. And so like John, John could easily, uh, a perfect example. I'm not going to go out there and sell the fitness academy. John's the face of 3D fitness. I'm the nerd. In three D fitness, right? I'm the strategy guy. Um, I'm the guy that takes the ideas that John comes up with and says, this is how we can do it. I'm the guy that says, okay, we can spend this amount of money. I'm the guy that does the books, looks at the financials, looks at the operating thing, but I couldn't sell shit. No one's going to come to me and be like, Oh, I'm going to buy a health and fitness Academy from you. You're 20 pounds overweight. And you, you know, you Eat like shit. Like there's like it's not going to be that way. John's good at what he does. He stays out of the finance because he's not good at that. I'm good at that. That's what I stay in. Right. Kevin's good at media. Kevin builds off videos. Make sure that it goes out. Everything along those lines. Same thing with Joey. If Joey has a good idea for Age of Radio as our podcast development officer, I'm going to let him try try to run with that. I can't say I do that all the time because it's really fucking difficult to let go of that control over all the hours and time that you spend into it. But if you're going to scale and you're going to get bigger and bigger and bigger, you need to be focusing on the things that are going to bring the most value to the company. And sometimes those aren't the things that you're doing. For instance, I used to spend so much time doing the statements for Age of Radio that I brought Priscilla in, right? This is a family business. She's my sister-in-law and I brought Priscilla in. She does all of that. She's really good at it. She manages the distribution. She kills it. And it's something that I, now I can go and focus on this podcast, growing the age of Jeremy brand to bring money coming into the business. I can go and focus on reaching out to marketing companies, finding more podcasts, building that, the, the app, right? And, and the app, technically, I probably shouldn't be the one building it, just being honest. Um, I like learning the skill, and I'm going to learn it because it's going to save a lot of money. Um, and I there's a larger plan there. But like even the app, maybe you shouldn't be doing that. You should go and find someone to build your app if you have the money to do it and put that Put that on someone else and on a different group within your organization. But that's the main way that you can scale, and you have to be able to do that if you're going to grow your business to where you want to grow it. So again, this is I Make a Living. It's a it's a podcast by um, FreshBooks. FreshBooks is an alternative to QuickBooks, so maybe check that out. Um, and the person that does the show, her name's Demona Hoffman. She is fantastic. I think this is a good show, and you should definitely have it in your resource kit uh, if you're. Entrepreneur, a business person, um, or even someone running a small business and you're not an owner of it. Um, So make sure that you check it out. It's I Make a Living, it's by Fresh Books. So, listening to the podcast, the I Make a Living podcast, it got me thinking, like, what are the things that you need to be doing to scale your business? I had a client once tell me that it's easy to get to a million, it's harder to get to two million. And it's really hard to get to a million. And I think it's going to be really hard to get to 2 million. I think that those are fair, fair assessments. And, and uh, I think that there's three things that you can do if you're really going to want to scale your business and two of them kind of go hand in hand. And the third one is just you. It, It takes a lot of discipline, And I'm going to, I'm going to explain those. And this is how I kind of build my businesses and how I look at my, my business age of radio 3T fitness, and um, hopefully soon here, Q financial and Meridian health. Um, We have so much stuff going on, um, probably more than we should. So as a fourth rule that I'll start with, don't take on more than you can chew. Um, That's a great way to scale a business. Just focus on one of them. But let's say the, let's say you don't want to do that. The number one thing that you can do is goes back to the FreshBooks podcast. You need to let go. And that's hard. Um, but I think that one of the things that you need to look at, and he mentions this in the podcast, and I think he explains it fantastic. And the way that he explains it, make a list of all the stuff that you do. And then make a list of all the things that are the lowest skilled things. Okay, okay. And then go and find someone that you can pay to do those things. And so I'm not saying that, and I'm not saying low skilled like there's something wrong with them. Like these things need to happen. But you as the business owner need to be doing things that are going to going to grow your business, and are things that you can be doing in the other two things, the other two two items that I'm going to talk about. Right. So make a list of all of the things that you. Do find the lowest one. So, for me, you know, example, I'll bring it up again. The thing that I shouldn't be doing is making the statements that someone, if anybody can use the cell spreadsheet that I can figure that I can teach that to them, they should be doing that. And that should be outsourced to that individual, not outsourced like outsourced to a company, but outsourced to that individual to be taken care of. Priscilla is the one that does that. We need to build our Instagram. How do you build an Instagram? You go in and you talk to people on there. Ruthie can do that. Okay. Those are low skilled things. Those are low skill, high important things, right? I wouldn't rely on just anybody to do those things. And you shouldn't just rely on anybody to do the things that you want. And don't confuse low skill for not important. There are a shitload of ton of low skill things that are super, super important that people need to be doing in your business that are that are low skill, but high value. But because they're low skill, you can get someone else to do them. So that's the number one thing that you need to do. Make a list. I'm just going to repeat it. Make a list of all the things that you do in a day. Find out what you should be having someone else to be doing. And then you need to hire someone to do those things. And then you need to focus on revenue driving things. So let's say it's making, um, uh, let's say in the case of the, the Fresh books is it's a painter. So you have a bunch of jobs. You're the one going out and painting. You can hire painters to do that. You go and find higher painters. You need to pay them 400 bucks a week. Then you can go out and find other jobs to make up for that $400 a week that you need to pay them. Or you can be doing something else that that increases the revenue to pay the people that you need to do. And that's the number one thing that you need to start doing to grow your business is find out what you should be working on and then just solely working on those things because those are the most important things for the business. The second thing that you need to be doing is, and I've heard this on multiple, multiple family enterprise podcasts. In fact, probably over the next couple of weeks, I'll I'll do a clip from this other one. It's from Succession uh, Successful uh, Generations, which i played a clip before, but they had um, someone from Seaman Corporation on. It's a family, a multi-generational family company that I think, think they might have sold off. I'm not sure. They still own, but they don't run. Um, but he mentions that the number one thing that you can be spending your time on is your human capital. So the, the development of the people that you have, right? There's this, there is a story that you could have the greatest plan in the world. You could have the greatest plan. But if you don't have the right people to execute that plan, it doesn't fucking matter, you need to have good people in your job as a company in my in, in my opinion, you may disagree with this. but in my opinion, your responsibility as a business owner is to hire people, build your con your community. Hire people and build your community, and you will have all of the wealth in the world if you focus on those things. But if you're going to hire people and build your community, your business needs to grow so you can help build a community and hire more people. And those people that are entrusting you with their livelihoods, by being your team members or your employees, you need to educate them. You need to get them the skill set that they need and that's how you develop that capital. And when you develop that human capital, those people stay, they stay with you, they grow with you, and they help you grow your business and that's part of your business. That is part of your family business. A lot of family businesses they have team members that are also families. So like they'll have people that they're that 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 work for they have team members that work for them. And then that individual has a son that also works for them. And you have like three generations of people that are working in that same company. Now, whether or not you give them some type of ownership over time, through like an ESOP or some type of profit sharing, but like people like working for family businesses because that's important to them. And not everybody wants to start a business. Some people just don't want to start businesses. They want to just work for someone, have that security, but they want to work for families that, that have values and believe in the communities that they serve, right? That's one of the biggest things that separates family businesses from corporations, So you need to spend time to figure out how you're going to educate your workforce, where you're going to want them to be, making sure that you have the right human resources team in place to find the right people to grow them. And even if you're a small company, you can be thinking of that thing. When I I look at when I look at my my, I'm a. If I have the ability to get my shop from my uncle, Jim Star Automotive in Glendale, Arizona, it would be the fourth generation owner, right? We would be a fourth generation. We're gonna end where most families end in the third generation for that specific business. And one of those reasons is lack of revenue diversification. Okay, but I'm not going to go into that. But the other thing is getting the right people in there, educating the right people, and taking off some of that burden and overpaying them and going and growing that revenue piece. There is no reason – my uncle is just an employee – like he owns it, but he's just an employee. He's an employee for himself. That's a small business owner, right? This, In my opinion, I don't know the finances. So this is just me theoretically thinking, but he could have had his son go to business school. He could have had his son start running it. They could have taken out a loan. They could have tried to open another location. If his son didn't want to do it, he could have talked to me about it. He could have had the people that have worked for him their whole career. There was one gentleman who worked for my family his whole career. We call him Chief. And that's kind of, I don't want you to think that that's a slur. He liked being called chief. Um, And I be honest with you, I don't remember his real name because growing up, we always referred to him as chief. And so chief, he always had like, um, he worked for my, my family, his whole career and he didn't want to work anywhere else. That was his whole career was building starters and alternators in my family shop. And so, so he, they could have, they could have put They could have hired him to run the business. They could have done things to get him the ability to to scale that business, and that takes time, it takes money, and it takes sacrifice. Because if you're gonna put that money into something else, it's money that can't go somewhere else, and that usually means that that's money that can't come to you. And that's one of the the hardest things that people have to face when they're running a business, is the sacrifice that sometimes you have to make to get your business to the next level. If there's anybody that knows that better than anybody, it's, I believe, John at 3 T Fitness, who's my business partner, but... uh, But so that's the second thing you have to build your human capital and you have to take money from paying yourself to build that, getting them the right education, the right skill set, bringing them in on important decision making to get those people to be able to run the company. And not only will that will that make them better and their and the community better, but it's going to make your business stronger because you have these people that value what you're doing and they work harder and, and they work harder for you and longer for you. The third thing that most people never, that I don't, and so this is kind of a catch 22. If you don't have, you can only grow profit two ways, by cutting expenses and growing revenue, okay? If I were to choose one, I would say find ways to grow more revenue. So, businesses don't spend enough time trying to figure out how to diversify their revenue. They don't have a plan on the different ways in which they're going to grow their revenue over time. Right now, we only grow our revenue through advertising, through Age of Radio. We only grow our revenue through advertising and through editing services. Those are the only ways that we get revenue right now and through affiliate links, okay? But the plan that we have over the next five or six years, there's... Off the top of my head, four different other revenue streams that come in through that. Five if you count Age of Jeremy, um, because this will start having other, other, other. I guess, products that are offered to people and other ways to help people in classes and webinars, things with finance. But again, you have to build your audience, okay? And that's what I'm spending the most time doing on, is getting better, trying to figure out how I want to do the show, getting better at talking on this show, um, trying to find a groove to make sure that this show comes out every week. But... We have a plan on multiple different revenue streams coming into the age of radio over over the next at least five years. And if you can plan out 100 years, that's even better. Like, what are your kids going to do? What value are your kids going to bring to the company? And and we don't like thinking about that, but it, there's nothing wrong with thinking that. I think that having a good plan for your children and how they're going to grow up and how they're going to be educated and how they're going to be part of the family business if they want to and what they're going to do to be entrepreneurs, that all has to be planned out. And the sooner you have those conversations with those kids, the sooner, the sooner you can get them involved with the business and the stronger your business comes. But Revenue diversification. The other thing that you wanna think about along with this number third tip is either increasing revenue or reducing expenses, right, is businesses don't take enough time to reduce expenses. I work with a lot of businesses and a lot of the times they're not even paying attention to the money that's coming out of their account, right, and ways to reduce that money. Right, You don't want to just say, oh, well, we don't make enough money. We need to let our employees go. No, there's probably a bunch of shit that you're paying for that you don't need to be paying for, and you need to be mindful of that. The the number one way that people don't keep their businesses going is they run out of money because they're not managing their money properly, or they get excited about something and don't put a good plan in place and start spending money where they don't need to be spending money. And you always need to be mindful of that profit and loss statement, which I call an income statement because that's a proper term for it. But a lot of people refer to it as a profit and loss statement. So you need to manage your profit and loss statement. So you either need to figure out how to increase revenues over time and diversify those revenues and by having different sources of revenue coming in. Right. So as an individual, I'm trying to get 10 sources of revenue just for myself. Your business should be thinking of trying to get 10 revenue sources just for itself right? You want to think of it that way. So you're not making enough money in different avenues to diversify in case one of them fails, and you're not managing the expenses of the money that's coming in. And one of the best ways to manage those expenses is every quarter, when you sit down with yourself or with your business partners, look at those expenses and say, well, where can we cut some of these expenses, even if you don't need to cut the expenses? Right, Because sometimes you will have expenses, you could be making money, have a great profit and still have ridiculous costs that you could be minimizing and you could be having more of a profit and that money can go to what? It can go to increasing your human capital and spending time developing people, right? It doesn't need to be going to stupid crap. So you need to be managing that at least on a quarterly basis. I would say the smaller you are on a monthly basis, if you can make time for it. And just say, I don't need, I can think of like four things right now that 3T Fitness is paying for that we don't need to be paying for. And I can think of at least three things that Age of Radio is paying for that we don't need to be paying for that we need to minimize. Okay. So you have to be mindful of those expenses and you can't get excited when new things come up. Just stay to your plan, manage your expenses, increase your revenues, build your capital, and let go. You need to let go. The more you let go of your company and give over some of that control to the other people that believe in the company you want to be a part of it, the bigger you'll get. And because I just jumped into this episode at the beginning, if you made it this far into the episode, make sure that you follow me at... Instagram at Age of Jeremy on TikTok at Age of Jeremy on Twitter at Age of Jeremy Q at LinkedIn at Jeremy Quintanilla. Follow Age of Radio on Instagram at Age of Radioverse and Facebook at Age of Radio and join our Addicted to Podcasting Facebook group. And if you want to start a podcast, go to www.ageofradio.org and make sure that you go to hosting. Find out we do free hosting for people you can join our podcast network for absolutely free. We advertise your podcast. We uh, promote it across our shows. We promote it on our Instagram channel, on our Age of Radio Twitter channel, which I forgot, Twitter at Age of Radio. Um, we pay for your hosting. Did I mention that? Um, we try to find you advertisers. And and we're growing one of the, the largest podcast networks. So, And if you're a business and you want to advertise with Age of Radio go to www.ageofradio.org forward slash ad space um, and fill out the information there and we'll get started on um, getting some advertisements on our network. We are up to a million downloads this year on the Age of Radio podcast network. And if you want some editing services, reach out to us. There is just so much that's going on with Age of Radio right now that you should be a part of it. But thank you so much for listening to the Age of Jeremy. I hope you found value in this. And we will talk to you next time. Have a great week. Bye. Thank you for listening to The Age of Jeremy. Make sure to subscribe on your favorite podcatcher. If you can do me a favor, please rate this podcast if your podcatcher allows you to. Talk to you soon.